So today the topic, the topic to be shared this morning is um, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The salt of the earth and the light of the world. And our text is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. But I would like us to read from verses 1 to 16. If someone can open and read as quickly as they can, because I know we all know this passage very well. But to remind us again, can somebody read for us as fast as you can, verses 1 to 16 of Matthew chapter 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they have, for they shall be comforted. Verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 6 says, Blessed are they, which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Seven, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Eight, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Nine, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. But then, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. For righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted did the prophet which were before you. 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savour, where we shall it be sorted, it is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. 14, you are ye are the light of the world, a city that set on a on a hill cannot be hid. 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give it light unto all that are in the house. 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much, Brother Ken. Thank you for that smooth reading. I I want us to read, or I requested I will read from verse 1 to 16, because I want to remind us of the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning of it. And also, to be, also because the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon preached by Jesus to his disciples, are divided into sections, but we notice that the sections are connected and they have a flow. So we cannot talk about Matthew 13 to 16 without actually knowing the preceding 
verses to give us context to it. And in me preparing for this message, I kind of think that the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 3 to verse 12 gives me context for 13 to 16, because I will kind of refer to it as I go on. So the text we are focusing on today is um, verses 13 to 16 of Matthew chapter 5. We call the Sermon upon the Mount. Verses 3 to 13 in Matthew chapter 5, as we know, it's known as the Beatitude. It outlines the character of the disciples of Jesus. It outlines the way of life, if I will put it that way, or whoever a disciple is. And let us remind ourselves that Jesus was speaking to his disciples, probably the 12, or definitely the 12 disciples and many other that followed him. Verses 10 to 12 explains that we'll be persecuted and in the persecution we should rejoice and that those who came before us were also persecuted. So verse 3 to 12, the Beatitudes are character. And verse 10 to 12, about we being persecuted. So it's as if it's not not something we can avoid. It's something that um, goes with the package, kind of. It goes with being a Christian. And that gladdens my heart a bit. And even Jesus said we should, we should rejoice. We should rejoice. We should be happy to be persecuted. I'm not saying I'm in that place yet, but it's given me something to really think about. Will I be happy when I am being persecuted? But that is not the focus for today. So I move to verses 13 to 16. 13 to 16 for me, gives us the character or the, the function and our influence as a Christian. Verse 13 to 16 in some, bi- in some Bibles are referred to as the similitude. And the similitude is something that is similar to something. And it is the function, our function, our role, if I should put it that way, of our role as children of God. So in me, joining the two together is like our character in the beatitude. When we live out the character in the beatitude, our function and our influence emerge. I hope I'm making sense. Our function image. So Christians who live the beatitude, we can say, are the salt and light of the earth and they influence the world. Amen. The world. But we cannot be salt and light in isolation of the Beatitudes because it is through our character that the function of our role of being salt and light will emerge, which we will look at in, in details in a few minutes. Amen. So, as Christians, this influence I just mentioned that is a character that makes us play a role that influences the world. It's not about what we have achieved. It is not a title. It is not a financial position. It is not a social position. It's not a 
academic qualification. It is not if it's that, then it is, we can as well just do it as the world are doing it. But this influence is a godly character that we exhibit from within us, from what we have from within us. The anointing through the working of the Holy Spirit that flows from a regenerated heart. This function, this role as salt and light has to be performed from a regenerated heart, a heart that has been saved and it has to be by the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise we'll be like any other person. We, we won't even have the influence because there are so many people with a lot of you know, societal influence, but ours is something that has to do with the supernatural. Pastor last week was talking about this supernatural that comes from the anointing. And that is the kind of influence I believe God wants us to have when he talks of us being salt and light of the world. So I'll go on. So for me, Matthew 5 verses um, 13 to 16 is about our character. I'm repeating myself and the influence in the world which means that our influence in the world is directly related to our character and our conduct. Amen. As Christians, we need to have a godly character. We have to do all what Jesus said and the beatitude. We are not dwelling on the beatitudes today. I will ask, encourage us to read through it about being peacemakers, about being holy and pure, about being merciful, about being seekers of God, and about being meek. So, having said that, having known that, I'm going to kind of focus on the character and the influence that we have in the world as being salt and light. Let us see what salt and light is. And I pray God grants me, us me understanding, God helps me <laughs> to to say what I want to say, and the Holy Spirit will expound the word in our hearts so that the, we will get what he wants us to get. Amen. You know, as I, as I look at the passage and as I prepare, I wonder why did Jesus use salt and light? Why no other kind of analogy or another kind of metaphor, salt and light? But he must have done what he knows best to do. But I come to realize that salt and light are two very familiar things. We all have it. We all know it. Every house has light and every house has salt. So if you're going to have an analogy of anything, it's of course best to use what everybody knows and everybody's familiar with. And Jesus in his teachings of the parables and things, he always uses scenarios that we are familiar with. So we are all familiar with salt and light. And uh, I believe knowing what salt and light is, understanding the purpose of salt and light will help us understand what our role is as salt and light in the world. So I'll try and look at the functions and attributes of salt and try and relate it to how it applies to how we should behave and how we should affect the world through our 
a character because that is really the baseline. So I said, we all have salt in our lives. So I'm concentrating on the salt now. We all have salt in our homes. We all know that there are numerous uses of salt, but I've kind of prayerfully selected a few of these attributes. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will grant us understanding. But for my baseline, I would like to talk about salt in general. Salt to be effective in any object, it wants to um, affect or influence. It has to come in contact with that object. It cannot be effective and it cannot have any influence on any object in isolation. It cannot just be in a jar or in a container and kept there and have effect. It has to be in contact with the object it wants to affect. So in the same vein, we as Christians, to be effective as salt in the world, we must engage and interact with the people. We must get involved in what is going on around us. We must get involved with our family, immediate extended. We should get involved with people at the place of work. We should get involved with our neighbors and our communities, the local community and in our schools, even in our local church. We cannot be in isolation or restrict ourselves to a small clique or just to a church group and expect to influence assault influences. So we should have that in mind that all these attributes we have, we can't, we can't influence if we stay in our home or we stay in our shell. So the first attribute of salt that I want to relate to how we should be salt in the world is that salt is a purifying agent. Salt is a purifying agent. In the days of Jesus, salt was used to was applied on newborn babies for purification and for good health. So I believe as children of God, we represent purity, just as salt is a purifying agent. We are a holy people. We make up a holy and a pure church. We, we are to, to reflect and to mirror a pure and a righteous life for the world to see. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 to 16. And please, standing before it. please let, let me quickly read it to, to, to portray this point. 1 Peter. 1 Peter 15. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 to 16. Yes, thank you. 1 Peter chapter 1, 15 to 16. But now, you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy 
because I am holy. Amen. So to be called of the world, we must have this attribute. Just as God is holy, we have to be holy because our Father is holy. Amen. The second thing, moving on quickly, is called as a distinctive taste. A distinctive taste. We Christians should be distinctly different from the world. You know, we should be distinctively different from this world to our blameless and our godly character. I don't know how to stress this point um, strong enough, and I don't have to say it in many words. We have to be different. Yes. Our citizenship is in heaven. We, 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 we are, can someone read for us to help us, Philippians 3.20? It's good to read the word. The entrance of the word gives life. So the word of God is um, it's powerful. Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Amen. Amen. So the fact is that that is what the Bible wants us to be. We have to be different. We have to be distinct. The third attribute is of salt, which we should apply to our life, is that salt was a scare and precious item in the days of Jesus. Any precious item is usually scarce. Mon salt was used as money to pay the Roman soldiers. Part of their salary was in salt. And we have this phrase, um, you are worth your salt because of the worth and the scarcity and the, the preciousness, if I should use that word, of Jesus, of, of salt. In First Peter one verses two to nine. Mary, please let us read it because the Bible also confirms this. Because I, I don't I don't I'm trying to use Bible passages also so that we don't think oh that is just salt. It doesn't concern us. It's a metaphor. It's an not a, a, it is um, just an object. Yes, sir. This is First Peter 2.9. 2, Please, anybody that finds can read. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result... You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful land. Praise the Lord. So we can see. So being told is. Yeah, that, that, that is fine, Daddy. Thank you. So we are we are royal priests who we are chosen to permission. We are also scared. We are also very scared. And um, when the Bible talks in Matthew 7, 14, it says we should go through the narrow gates because few 
are there that goes therein. So we may not be many, but let us know that we have a lot of work and we have we are very precious and we are a very worthy um, commodity. So we've looked at the three three qualities and attributes of salt. Salt being having a distinctive taste, salt being a purifying agent, and salt being scarce and precious. Let us look at number four now, the fourth point, that salt is a flavor enhancer. Salt is a flavor enhancer. Salt was used then and even now as a flavor enhancer. So the same way salt enhances the flavor of food that is seasoned, we Christian, through our character, must stand out as those who enhance the flavor and flavor the lives of people in the world. We can win our family and friends to God by a godly character or by a given, by a show of kindness. We bring beauty to people's life. We bring comfort to people's life. We bring um, 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 peace to people's life. We bring beauty to people's life. Where there is strife, we are to be peacemakers. Where there is sorrow, we are to be ministers of God that bind wounds. Where there is hatred, we are to exemplify the love of God in Christ, returning Amen. good for evil. Amen. So our lives and through our character should enhance and save all people's life. We can attract people to the love of God and faith in Christ by by our actions, not just by our words, but by the way we live and we serve and add flavor to people's life and people get blessed. Another attribute of salt I want to talk about is that salt stings, especially when it's applied to wound. And the purpose of that in some, some culture is that it will eventually heal the wound, though it stings initially. So our Christian witness through our character and the preaching of the good news of the gospel should be a sting in the conscience of people for the purpose of turning them away from sin to righteousness. Amen. When Peter was preaching, in Peter's sermon in Acts 2, 36, 36 to 38, I won't, I won't read that. When he preached, the listeners ahead, they said they were caught in their hearts by what they had and they wanted to be saved. So our lives, by the way we act and the things we say, should point people to their ungodly lives, to prompt people to their wrong ways with the intention of them turning away from their sin, which means we have to do it in love, in kindness, showing mercy, showing empathy, all those attributes in beatitude to come to play when we are doing this. I'll stay on this a bit because we really need to affect life by our affect people positively by our life and our character. We I have noticed that the world's conscience is no more pricked by the message of the church. The messages have become watered down and compromised. And why is that? I think, and I say I think because we are not living a distinctive life. We are not living a godly life that comes from a regenerated heart. We are not 
preaching the word. We are not living our life by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we pray that God will help each and every one of us because it's each and every one of us that makes up the church that we will live this life so that we'll get back a church that is holy, that is pure, that will convict people of sin with the intention and with the purpose of bringing them to the knowledge of God. Amen. Amen. The sixth, and I all pray that Good News Church Manchester will be one of those churches that when people really want to hear the undiluted word of God, they will know where to go. And when the Amen. word is preached, the power of the Holy Spirit will convict people of sin and will draw people from darkness to light. And that Amen. will be in Jesus' name. Amen. The sixth point, I only have seven. So the sixth one, which is the second to the last of the attributes I've chosen to to use to describe how we should be as salt, is that it promotes taste, test, test. Our lives and godly character should make the unbelieving world test and yearn for God. People should say, how can I have this kind of life? And if you are not living uh, an unfriendly life, uh, a life that is not drawing people to us, people can ask us why to that they want to live that kind of life. If we are not living the beatitudes, people will not ask us why that they want to be like us. So we pray that God will help us in this manner so that we will live out the beatitudes and through the power of the Holy Spirit, our life, will be such that people will test to know God. Amen. Um, I I remember, um, apart from the outside world, in the church as Christians, we should be people that encourage each other and Mm. challenge each other by our lives. We can be solved even within the body of Christ. Since um, Rob spoke, remember Rob, Mark's um, granddad, I can't, his picture and image has stuck to my head. Mm. You see how he, how radiant he is for the things of God, Mm. how how joyfully he talks about the things of God, how peacefully he talks about it. And you wonder, do I have what this man has? That's all I was asking myself. And that's what it should do as salt. Our lives will make people test and yearn for God when they see the way we test and yearn for God. Amen. God bring out to that position in Jesus' name. So God bless you. He really, he really touched me. And every time I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm aging and things, I will remember him and say, this man is still so very passionate for God. So why I'm trying to be passionate like Rob now. (laughs) (laughs) My final illustration or or attributes of salt is that it's a preservative, and I'll stay on this a bit. Salt as a preservative. You know, in the ancient times, in the times of Jesus, we knew there was no refrigerator. So salt was used to apply to meat to stop it from getting um, rotten or or, um, corrupted or decayed. So how does that apply to our life? What was 
why did Jesus say we are salt and salt has these attributes? We Christians, though it is kind of mind blowing and I'm still trying to come to terms with it. We are actually preservative to the world. Mm. We are preserving this world from the, the evil that is inherent in it. Amen. We are preserving it from ungodly men whose unredeemed nature are corrupted by from, from the corrupting world. And because they are, they are corrupted, they are, they, are, they are corrupting the world. But the presence of Christians is kind of slowing it down or, or countering it in one way or the other. We are also preserving Satan to from unleashing his wickedness and evil into this Amen. world, whether we like it or not. Because God has given us power and authority to bind and to lose, and we can use this authority to, to stop the enemy causing the havoc that he Amen. does to us. Amen. To be, we, I pray that God will make us see who we are in him and, and the role and, and, and responsibility and mission he has put in our hands. Amen. Amen. What we are preserving is the distinctive, you know, the distinction between Christian and the world. Distinction between Christian and the world. That distinction is still being seen by Christians that are still living the beatitude, living their Christian character and conduct by the help and power of the Holy Spirit. And my mind goes to Acts 19.15, when the evil spirit said to Paul, to, to the sorcerer, Jesus, I know. Peter, I know. Who are you? Right. Is a life that's different? Can people see us and say that this one is different? Too? There's something about this one. It's not, it's, there's something about it. So in this world that is fast embracing secularism and humanism, if not for Christians that are still upholding and living according to the biblical views of life, I'm preserving God's law and ordinances. I really don't know what the world will be today. But thank me to God for Christians, by the grace of God, and now working by the help of the Holy Spirit, are still maintaining God's ordinances, are still maintaining God's way of life, are still working, if I should say, according to God's modus operandum. The Bible is still read in public, on the TV, in social media. The word of God is still put out there. People are still preaching the undiluted word of God. Mm. So that distinction is still there. Otherwise, I think it will have been completely eroded. Mm. One of these secular teachings that I'm talking about is on marriage. There's a secular um, um, teaching from the New Age philosophy that says marriage is no longer needed because man has evolved from it. What's an erroneous um, statement, very far from the plan and purpose of God for marriage. Mm. But thank be to God that Christians are still living married, still getting married, getting married in the purity and in the plan and the purpose and the way of God. In purity and holiness according to God's own finances, thereby preserving marriage to be what God intends it to be. Amen. Amen. There are no Christians 
Now, I wonder what marriage and family unit will have been. But let us know that we have a role. We are playing an important function in line with the purpose and will of God. Mm. Even our prayer, I won't say even because it's important, our prayers and our presence mm. in a place should stop bad and evil things from happening. This comes to my mind when I read, um, when I um, when Paul was going to Rome and he was uh, on sea and a tempest came yeah. and he said to them, because I am here, nothing will happen to anyone. And of course, all of them were saved because he was there. So mm. his presence there as Saul, that is Paul's presence there as Saul, prevented and preserved people from destruction. Amen. So we can pray that things will not happen. We can also pray that evil legislation should not be to not be passed. Mm. We we have so much we can do. We just I just pray that God grants me and all of us. Yes, Lord. An understanding because if we know have this understanding, it will shape our life, it will shape our Christian work, it will shape our ministry. May God help us. I hope I'm not going too fast. I'm trying to walk within the timing. Please feel free and just continue. So my, my, my brothers and my sisters, we are here on earth for a purpose. Amen. If not, he will have taken us away when we got saved. Matthew 14, Mark John 17, 14 to 15. Let, let, let me read that. John 17, 14 to 15. It says, we have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So if, if Jesus was, you know, when we got saved and he took us away, we will know that, you know, he doesn't want us to be involved with the evil one. He doesn't want the enemy to attack us. But he has prayed for us already that we will not be attacked from the evil one because he has, he has a plan for us. He knows that we need to be here as part of his purpose and plan for humanity and for the world. This is a very, very big responsibility. This is a sacred responsibility. Remember, I'm saying it is not influence that we give because of the secular achievements. This is something that God has granted us to us, even from a regenerated soul. So we are the salt of the earth. And we can only be salt and influence this world by a godly character and conduct. I think for me, that is a simple way I can look at it, by the Beatitudes, by living that life and following these attributes of salt. Because we, we cannot completely fulfill those attributes of salt if we don't live it, you know, within the Beatitude, if we don't live the Beatitude. We cannot be... Like we can't be so quarrelsome or so hostile to people or so, you know, lack of empathy, no show of kindness. And you talk to the person and you stand, and then you expect that the person will see you 
as a salt that flavors. No, they can't. They won't. They won't. And if you, you don't live a certain kind of that of life, God cannot use you. The Holy Spirit cannot work in you. That they will say like they said to Paul, Peter, I know, Paul, I know, who are you? So our create character is what will lead us. From there, it will emerge. These roles and function will emerge. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'll go to, I'll try and look at verse 14 because it's really very important that we do not lose our saltiness. Amen. And basically, simply, you know, it is not losing our saltiness. (laughs) If the salt no longer have taste, if it no longer gives flavor, if it no longer preserves from corruption and decay, if it no longer tests for righteousness, if it no longer, you know, bring blessing to people's life, if it no longer accomplish the purpose of which it was meant to accomplish, then it is useless. It will be thrown out. So basically, that is what it is. If we are of no use, if we are not living our life and molding our life according to the character of God, then we have no use. May God not make us good for nothing Christians in Jesus' name. Amen. We will be Christians, but we'll be of no use. No use to God, no use to the world. We are just there managing ourselves not to sin so that we'll go to heaven. May we not, when we be useful for God, may we partner with God to bring out of darkness to light. Amen. In its pure form, does not get contaminated. It doesn't expire. It doesn't lose its taste. But it only does that when some impurities or some death, you know, when it is contaminated with something, contaminated with chemicals or agents or death. So what makes us lose our salt in the, in, in the line of this fact that pure um, salt only loses its, its saltiness and its usefulness when it is contaminated? So what contaminates us? What can make us not be useful? What can make us good for nothing? Because if we know it, then we can prevent it because I don't think none of us want to be am good for nothing, and we will not be good for nothing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the things that makes us lose our saltiness is when we make choices that make us accept and conform to the ways of the world, when we get contaminated and lose the distinctiveness between us and the rest of the world, definitely we lose our saltiness because what do we have to offer? The pastor said last week that it just came to my mind now that if we if we want to give somebody something, it has to be different. They have to see that it is different, more superior, more important, more pressure than what they have already. So if we are like the world, even how can we have any effect in them? So we lose our saltiness. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Like John said, John 17 that we read said, if we don't leave out the character in the beatitude, we lose our saltiness and our influence in the world. If we do not depend on the Holy Spirit and function under the power of the anointing, we lose our saltiness because there's nothing we can do without God. Amen. It is not um, 
It is not this, oh, I'm kind to my neighbor, I am empath- uh, I empathy. It is something that has to be powered by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. without that, we found that we cannot do it because the carnal man cannot do the things of the Spirit. So our thought of the earth, we must through living out our Christian character and conduct influence the world daily in the uh, the individual spaces, not by our own human ability and strategies, but through the working of the Holy Spirit in us and by reason of the power of the anointing in us. So may God help us to be salt and salt indeed that will influence the world world for God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I'll briefly talk about the illustration on the light. This one I struggled a bit with, but I pray that God will give us understanding. That is in Matthew 5, 15 to 16. Jesus said we are the light of the world. You know, that is another part that I've been wondering. And I'll tell you why. If we read John 8, John 8, verse 12. John 8, verse 12. Um, where is it? Okay, that is gone. John 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Amen. 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 Jesus is the light of the world and he says to in verse 15 that we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. That is, he's attributing himself to us that we are what he is. That is really very mind-blowing. And that once, because we have accepted him, that light comes into our life, chases away darkness and leads us to life. Amen. To our children of God, we receive the light of God, light of God, and it leads us to life. And we are talking here of abundant life, a life that has been freed from darkness and every form of um, oppression. In trying to explain it, let, let me read two verses to us. John 10.10. 10. And can somebody else open one John, first John 1, 2? I like I like to read the word because there's something reading the word does that um, that is beyond human understanding when the word of God is read. Amen. John ten ten. Yes. Please. John ten ten. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich. And satisfying life. Praise the Lord. Amen. Another Amen. Another, another version said abundant life. Amen. What John want to? Okay, I, I, I have that. I'll read what John want to. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What I want to bring about here is that this life that we have received 
from Jesus, the light of the world. We have received it. This life is abundant life. And Amen. abundant life is rich and satisfying. Abundant life is a super abundance of living. Amen. It's the fullness of everything, body, soul, and spirit. Hallelujah. So we have received abundant life to live here on earth with Jesus. And in 1 John 1, 2, 2, it says we've also received eternal life mm. to be within heaven. Amen. So we are talking of life here and life in, in heaven. So if we have received life here and life in heaven, shouldn't we want to pass it on to people mm. by being the light, by, by, by allowing God to use us as light that will that will bring this transformation to people's life. And I, and I said, oh, it is light that said, it's not the word of God. So is it the word of God or light? But for me to have that understanding, I'll read two, and I hope you will understand too. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, thy word is a lamp to my feet and Amen. a light to my heart. Amen. John 1 14 says, the word became flesh. Jesus is the word. So this light is Jesus, which is the word in the flesh. So the light is the word of God. Jesus is the light of the world. And he is the word that has become flesh. Amen. So can you imagine we are the light? He says we are light. So we also are living episodes. We had that sermon once that we are living episodes. We have the eternal word in the flesh. You know, sometimes when I'm saying it, I'm like, is this not heresy? But it's not. That is what Jesus says. He says we are the light. He doesn't say we have the light in us. He says we are the light. He doesn't say we are containers of light. He says we are the light. Just as he says, he is the light. If it were the words of the disciples, maybe I would have kind of said, mm. but Jesus himself said it, and I believe it. And though I'm not actualize it yet. I know he will help all of us to come to that realization because it will shape a lot of things differently in our lives. So we are living episodes. We are the word. So for me, it is this word that we should carry to the world as light. It is this world that will illuminate in people's life mm -hmm. that will bring them this abundant life and eternal life. God grant us understanding in Jesus' name. So Jesus is sending us out with this worthy mission to be the light that leads the world to the life of Christ, just as we receive the light that led us to life. So as, he had, as his father has sent us, he has sent us, sent us also. So putting it simply, I would say for being the light of the world is that we will proclaim, we will preach and we teach the truth of God's eternal word that brings life to the darkened heart of sinful man. This light that disperses darkness in people's life and illuminates their paths towards repentance and righteous living. It brings men into an abundant life relationship in Christ here on earth an eternal life with him in heaven. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So 
So as people receive salvation, as they receive deliverance from all form of bondage, as their lives are changed for the better by the reason of the anointing, people will see this great and extraordinary work done in the lives of men and give glory to God. That is for me what that passage is saying. Let's uh, let, let, let the light that we shine give glory to God. None of it, this is um, from our making or through our making. It is by the power of God in us. The second part of that verse 15b says we should not hide our light under the basket, which means this light that we have can be hidden. So what does it mean for our light to be hidden under the basket? Or maybe in these days we say switch off our lights or dim our lights, dimmer switch, dimmer lights and all that. We hide our lights by simply by not speaking out the word of God, by not teaching and demonstrating the power of God that can disperse darkness that is holding people in the bondage of sin and all other forms of affliction. The light is the word. So when we stop talking about the word, when we start talking about the eternal word, this powerful word that can transform, that can change, that can deliver, that can heal, we are hiding it. Also, when we are not doing good deeds, when we are not being, when we are not being kind, when we are not being merciful, we are not being peaceful, we are not being loving, we are not being given, we are not doing the beatitudes. We, we hide our lights because if these things are not done, people will not see it. It means we are not showing our lights to the world. We are not showing who we are in our deeds and in our preaching and teaching of the world. So in these days of political correctness, we do not want to speak about our faith. We do not want to talk about us being Christian and the faith in Christ openly. We want to keep it to ourselves so that we don't offend people. We hide our Christian identity. We keep silent. That is hiding our light under the basket. That is switching off our light. If we do this, then what use are we? Why are we Christians? Why are we still here? Why didn't Jesus just take us with him when we became born again? Today, there's no basket to hide our light. We don't use the lamps. We, use, we have switches that turn on our light. So I ask us, when we go out to work, do we switch off our light? We leave our Christianity and the world we are, we are living episodes. We are light. We are, we are the, the word of God in the flesh. But do we leave that behind and go to work? And nobody even knows anything about God. Our life doesn't make people ask, what is it about you that is different? When we go to school, when we go to our family members, when we go to our friends, we switch the light off. And then when we come back, we switch it on again. May God help us. May God really help us so that we will be light because the presence of light in any place is unmistakable. It is unmistakable. Where the, the light is the absence of darkness. 
May God give us the grace not to switch our light on and off in Jesus' name. In the olden days, in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, the prophets were the representative of God on earth. They did not hide themselves away. They lived among the people. They spoke the voice of God. They were the reason of God to the nation, and they influenced God through their ministry. So were the disciples. They did not live in isolation in the monastery or in the cave, particularly because they were being persecuted so much. They did not hide away. They couldn't have hidden away because they were persecuted because in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12, Jesus says they will be persecuted and they should be happy about it. And then in 13, that precedes it immediately. Jesus said, be light and salt. And you cannot be light and salt without being in contact with people. So they were not hiding. They had to go out there because they knew who they have, they have as God and they knew the hope they have and they were ready to do his will and his beatings. Today, the church, which is each and every one of us, embody the same ministry of representing Christ. We are not to hide away from the world. We are not of the world, but we are in the world to influence it and to shine as light for everyone to see. We should preach and teach the word and share the good news of the gospel as we go about our daily lives. To finish up on the on chapter 16, on verse 16, Jesus talked of doing good. He said, we should do good so that men will see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. So it's not all about being like preaching the word and delivering people from bondage and affliction and turning them from darkness into this abundant life. It is also the things we do, like the charitable work we do, the volunteering work we do in our community, helping people with their shopping, just showing kindness there, here, showing love there, showing empathy here in our families, amongst our friends, in our schools, everywhere we find ourselves, the work we do in our church community, all these are good deeds that should be evident. However, however, our good deeds as Christians must be distinctively different from that of the world. Otherwise, it will be good for nothing because when it talks of doing good, the world knows how to do it very well. But ours should be different. They can only be distinctively different if they are performed, excuse me, according to biblical principles that relate to our Christian conduct and character, such as the Beatitudes. They can only be distinctly different when it is done by the power of the word of God when it is done by the working of the Holy Spirit in us through its anointing. The good deeds we do, the, the, the Holy Spirit should, will use it to transform people for God. And when we do these good deeds, just as verse 16 says, it is not for self-glorification. It should be to give all glory and all honor to God. Amen. May God help us to be light and salt of the world 
may God, may God speak to us. May he correct us. May he, may he transform us to righteousness. May he make us useful. May we not be um, soul that is good for nothing. May we not hide our light under the bushel. Pastor, if I have a few minutes, please, I'll conclude. Please my go ahead, ma'am. Okay. As I, as I try to conclude, I want to highlight some points, four points actually, that stood out for me as I was preparing for this message. And I'll use it as a form of a summary and a conclusion of everything we are saying. The first one is that we are not saved for our benefits only. We are not saved to live a holy life, an abundant life in Christ, and then spend eternity in heaven. We are here on earth to be effective salt and light. Amen. To influence our world in a distinctive way. Amen. So that we are what we are experiencing and enjoying in Christ, others may also. Secondly, we have to connect and interact with people. We cannot live in isolation and hide away. We cannot just be in a comfort zone in our homes. We should talk to our neighbors. I will have to start doing that now because I should talk to my neighbors. If I don't talk to my neighbors and develop a friendship with them, how can I, how can they even see the flavor of God in me? How can I share the word of God with them? May God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. We cannot find a way. I mentioned it earlier. I'll reiterate it again. That when Jesus spoke to the disciples about being persecuted in chapters 10 to 12, in verse, in verse 13, no, what did I say? In verses 10 to 12, yes. In verse 13, he did not ask them to hide away. Instead, he said, go into that world. Go up because that is the only way it can connect. Salt cannot have effect on anything until it interacts with that. So may God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thirdly, we live in a trying and difficult times. We all know it. <laughs> trying and difficult physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It goes on. And then on top of all that, that we are experiencing in the world right now, in this trying world that we find ourselves and our children find themselves. On top of that, we live in a world that is constantly drawing us into sin, constantly drawing us into his ways, constantly being hostile to our Christian faith. We are tempted, we are tried, we are coerced. Ah. It seems very disturbing, isn't it? We are quiet in defiling our purity. We are constantly being persecuted. And if we don't check it, we can get very discouraged and get so caught up in this world that we can get drawn into it. And once we do that, we lose our saltiness and become ineffective. And that is exactly what the devil wants us to be. So we have to fight for our space. We have to fight for our faith. We have to, we have to know this. And that is why these things are good to be taught, so that we will know this, so that we don't hide our light under the basket, so that we don't lose our saltiness because of the challenges around us. 
persecution will abound. And sometimes I wonder that if it's bad now, how bad can it be? But the Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We will not change. Mm. So whatever we are facing as individuals now, whatever persecution we are going through, whatever challenges and some of the scenarios are painted, I want us to encourage us with these Bible passages. And please, I will read them. They are short. I will read them and I'll be closing in the next few minutes. Let us read Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. I will not read that again to save time. But did you notice how Jesus said we should be happy when we are persecuted for righteousness sake? That we should be pleased, that blessed are we if we are persecuted. Mm. And what, sorry, please, I think I know uh, something I'm looking for there. Chapter, it says, the last verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward if you're persecuted and you still stand for Jesus. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Mm. So if the prophets could stand, we should get encouragement from that. We should get mm -hmm. emboldened that we also can do it. The next passage I want us to encourage ourselves with is Philippians 2.15. Yes. No one can criticize you. We clean innocent lives as children of God, shining lights, shining like bright lights in the world full of crooked and perverse people. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We should do that. Romans 8 17. I'll quickly read that. I'll read the two verses in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Oh, and since we plan with children, we plan with years. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share. Suffering. Amen. So we are going to share God's glory. 35, I will not read 35 and 39, but it says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not tribulations, not peril, not famine, famine, not sword and nothing. So living in this realization, we should be hopeful that God is with us and we should encourage ourselves that his grace is sufficient to see us through this difficulty. Lastly, my fourth point is that we cannot leave it for others. This being light and salt is everybody's business. It is a function of each and every one of us. Let all of us shine the light. Let all of us be like salt. The more the light we shine, the more darkness will be dispersed and the more we will win people to the kingdom of God. Let us reflect on our lives. Are we the salt Jesus wants us to be? Are we the light Jesus wants us to be? Are we influencing the people through our godly character and conduct? Am I distinctively different from the world? 
Have I lost my effectiveness assault? Or have I hidden my life under the bushel? As long as we depend on the Holy Spirit and under his anointing and obedience to his word, we can be truly effective when we completely depend on God. And I believe that his grace is sufficient to help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.